Welcome to the We Are Next podcast, advice and insight from all over the advertising industry to help you navigate your career with confidence. I'm Natalie Kim. And I'm Brian Hathaway, Director of Business Development at Canvas United. And thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Natalie, and welcome to episode 18. It's a short week. It's a short week. Whether you're working already or you're still in school, I love the mind shift that happens when it's a short week because of a holiday. You go one of two ways. Either you jam everything you have to do in only a few days and you're super busy the whole time, or you totally write off the whole week and do as little as possible. (laughs) Whatever you're feeling right now, just lean into it. And I hope that you're able to spend a couple days off with friends and family and, and your loved ones. The rest of my Oregon trip was awesome, even though it was raining constantly the whole time I was in Portland. I recorded some interviews with folks from AKQA, Roundhouse, and Wyden that I cannot wait to share with you guys. This week's guest is Brian Hathaway, Director of Business Development at Canvas United. We sat down during my New York trip and talked about why relationships and timing are everything in new business, his best pitching techniques, and why people in new business are the ultimate optimists. There's so many parallels between new business and finding a job, so let's get to it. Enjoy. So we're here at the Canvas United office near Union Square in Manhattan. Um, It's like my third day in New York. um, And I was super excited to come in because you actually reached out via LinkedIn. I probably posted something and you're like, I would love to be involved. Yeah, it was uh, your post about coming to New York. Yeah. And uh, somehow I was on, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn all day. Sure. But it was that one moment where I'm like, yes, let's do that. (laughs) I mean, those are the best messages for me to get because we're next doesn't happen without right. the industry and the industry volunteering and, and wanting to get involved so i'm always happy when when someone raises their hand so i'm super excited for this conversation to learn a little bit more about you and mm-hmm. what you do here at canvas united i always like to start these conversations with how you got your start in the industry <laughs> i think it's like really nice background for the rest of our conversation and you actually started and spent a part of your career in investment banking and private equity so how did you make your way to digital marketing? I feel like I've had three careers in my life. But um, so in this case, uh, my, at my last um, investment banking job was KBW, which stands for Keith Brewett and Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't expect anyone listening to this to know who they are, but uh, they're infamous for, um, they're actually in one of the top floors uh, in 9-11 and mm-hmm. they lost a third of their company. Wow. Um, and, and so KBW, uh, you know, wrote this book, Triumph Over Tragedy, and Rudolph Giuliani wrote the foreword mm. back when he was the governor and, um, I mean, mayor of New York. And so I was at this investment bank doing like really not fun stuff and kind of a little bit, uh, you know, not enjoying my career at all. And yet, uh, they fired me. So it turns out that the, the bank was getting bought by Stiefel, a German investment bank, but they weren't telling anybody. Um, so I, uh, a woman across from me, I noticed, was um, whisked away into a meeting and then never came back. And HR grabbed her purse. 
I'm like, I turned to the guy next to me and I said, uh, that's not a good sign. Yeah. And then ring, ring, Brian, can you come into the conference oh, room? No. <laughs> and so I walk in and there they all are, uh, are the, man- the managing director and another head guy. And I just say, this doesn't look so good. Yeah. And, and they're like, yeah, unfortunately, blah, blah, blah. Right, the whole spiel. I go outside and I call my wife after I'm being escorted out of the building. I said, all right, this is it. I didn't even want to be here. And they got rid of me and, uh, and my entire group. So I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm going into uh, digital marketing. This is where my heart is. And when I first came out of college, that was uh, what I was doing. And one of the first uh, video webcasters is what they call it back then. Basically video yeah. on the web. Uh, us and Mark Cuban, basically. <laughs> and, um, and, and I said, look, I don't know how long this is going to take me. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But uh, my wife said, I got you. I will support you 100%. Yeah. took me about nine months. Um, I went to Magnet Media, which uh, they're uh, known for creating uh, video production um, videos, sort of like a, almost from a PR standpoint okay. for a lot of their larger clients, JP Morgan and uh, Credit Suisse. So what I said to her to get this job was, um, look, I, I am a banker. I know how to talk to um, people in the finance industry. That's a very easy transition mm-hmm. for the web like video IPO roadshows right, right. made a lot of sense to me it was sort of it's still not a product that's caught on yet I thought I was going to be the innovator of that uh, turns out they're a little slow to develop but what happened was uh, Credit Suisse was one of my first clients and the woman who hired me or our company said well actually you should check out Canvas too mm-hmm. because Canvas was, was uh, their client at the time and Eight months later, I actually called her back up and said, hey, who was that, what was that company you were telling me about, Canvas? And yeah. she introduced me to, to John Kaminsky, and two weeks later, I was hired. So it worked out. Yeah. He, I've been here four years. That's a great... Um, thank you for taking us through all that. I mean, one thing that struck me was, one, making a career shift like that, I think a lot of people feel like... I mean, there's that insecurity over like, I don't have relevant experience on my resume to show people that I can talk about, but your example of saying, okay, I was in, you know, finance, finance, I speak that language, I can help you speak to clients that you work with in that same industry. I, I just think like whether you're changing roles within an agency or you're trying to shift into a different industry, thinking about how your perspective as that role, you know, can help that agency um, connect with that same role. I just, That's I right. think it's a way people don't really think about it when they, when they're thinking about making that shift, True. but it's, I think a very valid approach. And I believe that is a takeaway for anybody is to say, what is in me that's unique and there always is something and how can I apply that to the company I want to work at or the job I'd like to have? There is something that is unique about you right. that you can then really push up on your resume and, right. and emphasize when you know interviewing and it, and it works if you believe, yes, I have this unique something and right. I want to talk about that. Because it's not necessarily the hard skills, like they're not sitting there per se with a checklist like, can he do this or X? I mean, there are a lot of things, especially when you're starting out, that you learn on the job and that's kind of the expectation that you're going to learn these things, but it's like, what else are you bringing to that that you can apply to those hard skills that, you know, like you said, make you unique? And that's the thing. You want to show that you're flexible, willing to learn, enthusiastic. And I, I swear I've gotten all my jobs in my career based on enthusiasm mm-hmm. versus actual raw talent. <laughs> <laughs> 
So tell us a little bit about Canvas United and what really drew you here. Uh, you know, it was because of that Credit Suisse scenario where I'm like pitching the company I work for and the woman I'm pitching is like, oh, you should check out this other company. I'm like, well, that's a wonderful idea and maybe I will do that, <laughs> but how about I tell you about my company right, that right. I'm representing right now? It was such a surprising thing. I can still remember it so much four and a half, five years later yeah. that um, it struck me when, when uh, you know, sales weren't really rolling for me at, at Magnet Media. Um, and I thought, well, maybe I better take a look at yeah. Canvas. And so when I came here, I met with John. He's, he's a, a great guy who um, really is trying to do something different in the industry by by leading through example of transparency and really providing deep knowledge of the industry to clients. People uh, who may have a certain idea, but he's like, uh, he'll be really brutally honest. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, sometimes that means saying, we're not the right agency for you. Mm -hmm. That really struck me, uh, finding out how different he is from the typical bosses I've had in the world, especially in investment banking. Sure. Um, yeah, and I, I really just think it's the raw talent. When I looked at the website, I'm like, these guys are on the next level. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and since that website I looked at, we've redesigned and launched our other one, won a couple of, uh, uh, well, two of the three major awards for like side of the day. And, yeah. and that was really fun. And I love that these guys put in so much time and effort and, you know, raw energy into yeah. what they're creating from a design perspective. And then the engineers actually back it up here. So Yeah, that's cool uh, that you have yeah. the talent in-house to actually make... All the amazing things that it's hard think to of. find. Uh, I, I've learned over the years, and and I really feel like all I've ever been doing in all of my roles in my life and my career have been in a learning right. perspective. But yeah, these guys are uh, just trying to innovate consistently, and um, it shows. Does Canvas United gravitate towards a specific specific type of work, or is it sort of across the board? What type of clients do you guys work with? Yeah, we have a pretty large background in entertainment mm -hmm. uh, from the very beginning. It's a 12-year-old company with uh, 11 years uh, independent uh, and privately owned through the two co-owners. And then uh, it was it was a year ago that we were um, acquired by the United Collective by uh, Grupo Gallegos. And then we've all, through the five companies and part of this collective, yep. <clears throat> changed our names to Canvas United, Gallegos United, right, and all right. these others. Um, what I really feel like it's not necessarily the client that we're looking for as much as the kind of work we can do with them. Mm -hmm. uh, that very often has you know lended to be a very large international brand just because um, they're the ones that are usually looking to innovate yep. uh, and they have the money frankly to pay it. Right. Uh, so we haven't worked with many startups or smaller companies. I'd say mid cap on up um, from all set sectors. We've done a lot of work in the real estate mm -hmm. world, actually, which tells you kind of where the economy is. Right. There's, there's, right. A, you know, there, there's a lot of big building developments. Right. Who has and, money to spend? Uh huh. And um, and some, of course, finance and. Uh, tech and data companies and things like that. Right. People trying to separate they, themselves from a certain pack uh, and, sure. and how can they make that different. We've done some fashion, we've done some retail, 
some um, cosmetics in healthcare world like Estee Lauder and a mm-hmm. few others. On the website and I think in your LinkedIn profile, you mentioned multi-platform experiences mm-hmm. as something that clients are coming to you guys to do. Can yeah. you explain what that means maybe for someone who's more used to thinking about advertising as mm-hmm. like a communications campaign? Yeah, it's um, it's a world now where you cannot simply say to a client, uh, we're going to create this commercial for you and raise your your sales by X and your KPIs will all be hit. It's it's a digital world where most of your audience is on their phone or on a tablet. And uh, so it, we have to come from a different perspective now, which is why this whole United Collective was formed. Because even as uh, Canvas, there were times when we would be talking to a large client and we come from the digital perspective only. And they're said, they said, well, you know, I would also like some PR capabilities sure. and someone to handle our social media campaign. And, you know, our guys are designers and engineers, project managers. So there are some times when we lost the, the project. But now that we have uh, a full suite of capabilities, we are able to, to look at it from an entire marketing landscape and say, all right, let's do all of this. And, and how can we make this different, uh, whether it's an app or a mobile website uh, or it's a, just maybe a social media campaign, mm-hmm. uh, something to make their message different. And that's sort of like the perspective, again, that we come from. The client is the the holder and arbiter of their brand. Sure. They know their brand. What we try to do is come from the perspective of the audience and say, all right, you know your brand better than anyone else. Here's what the audience is seeing. Mm-hmm. Here's what the audience says your brand is. Right. And, and we use a lot of research to, to base that opinion on um, because it's not our opinion, it's, sure. it's the audience. And so we say, well, here's what's being said. How do you want to change that? How would you like to emphasize that? Um, so yeah, it's just a more broad landscape that mm-hmm. we're, we're coming from. Yeah, I think when we think about our own behavior and how we not only interact with brands, there's obviously so many different mm-hmm. ways that we do that now, but how we make decisions about what to buy. You know, it is <laughs> it doesn't come from one channel. There are so many different touch points that influence that decision. And so to be able to create an experience that sort of is where all those people are, yeah. you know, that it, it totally makes sense. We find that um, people make a purchasing choice uh, very often through research and information, but more often there's an emotional connection. Right. Whether it's someone they know has made a recommendation or that there's something, you know, from the digital landscape they've seen, maybe even a commercial, but mm-hmm. there's something they're connecting with emotionally that then triggers that buy right. response. And I'm a perfect example. I am so, my You're an emotional wife, buyer. Oh, I am. And my <laughs> wife says I'm like the marketer's dream. Like I, I make purchasing decisions based on packaging. Yeah. And, and really like not the best decisions, frankly. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I do have emotional responses. <laughs> You're a good case study for related. I am. <laughs> How would you describe your role here as director of business development? It is really sort of like looking out outwards for 
the new clients. So mm-hmm. we get uh, a lot of referrals from within the company, and now because that we're at the collective of five, yep. uh, there are some longstanding clients, and there are others that make referrals to people they know in the industry. Mm-hmm. My job is solely to look beyond that uh, out into the landscape and try to bring in new companies uh, and new clients. So for me, it's a day-to-day outreach. Yeah. Yeah. And I've you know, when I've interacted with other people who work in kind of the new business space, a lot, one thing they talk, often talk about is how much of a long game it really is. It's a long, long <laughs> game. In fact, who, like in some cases, it's, it's a couple of years. Uh, wow. and, and in one example right now, mm-hmm. uh, Pierre Fabre, the, the pharmaceutical company based out of Paris, is, um, they have uh, Several brands. One of them is Chloron, and mm-hmm. it's the dry shampoo. Yep. My wife is a huge fan. And two years ago, they came to us and they said, "We needed a we need a website redesign, and we need to work on our marketing campaign. Can you help us?" And and absolutely, we'd love to. They didn't quite have the budget, and yeah. they said, "Okay, you're not our guys." And yeah. when you know, two years later, they come back around and say, "We've always wanted to work with you. We loved your pitch yeah. at the time. We didn't have the budget, but we do now." And here we are. We've launched the Chloron website. We're now working mm-hmm. on the Rene Futurer website, yep. which is the salons. Yep. Um, and, and that's the case. You know, in, in other cases, there, with Estee Lauder even, it's just you, you have these meetings, you get to know people, mm-hmm. and eventually there's something that, there's a project that comes up, and you have stayed in touch yeah. this whole time. Yeah. It does take a long time, typically. Yeah, I mean, it's a good lesson for even people who, you know, pitch some a business and it doesn't work out, whether another agency wins or right. just like you said, like somehow the project can't get off the ground yeah. because of budget and stuff like that. I mean, sometimes like no doesn't mean definitively no forever. Exactly. It's just like no right now. But yeah, that's <laughs> you know? right. And the same thing I think goes, if you think about it, for like job opportunities and yeah. I mean, pitching ideas within the agency. I mean, yeah, a lot of times we get no's but that doesn't mean that I guess the takeaway is sort of like it's not a a long-term reflection of like (laughs) your um, worth or success or anything like that because you never know that's the thing back around make sure you follow up and even if it's a hey here's what we've been up to lately uh, or I saw this article that you guys you know have uh, were mentioned in and yeah it's just you're just staying present Mm -hmm. and it's and it also shows them that it's not just a sale yeah that you're actually you know creating a relationship and that's really ultimately my biggest technique if you want to call it that with Mm -hmm. with uh, clients is that I try to make friends with them first Mm -hmm. and so I'm selling to friends versus someone who's like you know paying the bills right Uh, and and sometimes that does happen sometimes uh, someone doesn't necessarily want to be my friend, <laughs> but there's been many cases where these people have wound up on my Facebook page because we've decided let's let's stay in contact, yeah. let's like hang and you yeah. know all that kind of stuff, and it's much easier to sell to a friend right. than it is to a quote unquote client. Right. <laughs> so business development involves a certain level of vetting clients when you're yeah. looking out and seeing like who might be a good partner for us. Right. Will it be a good fit relationship wise? Can you explain how you go about doing that? Yeah, it's a several step process. Mm-hmm. Once we get to that point, uh, it usually starts with a connection like, you know, even like us on LinkedIn. Yep. 
Uh, then there's like the email exchange. So let's have a, a conversation on the phone or a meeting. Mm-hmm. Very often I'm looking at New York City based companies. Okay. Uh, or at least they have some people in marketing here. Yeah. Just so I can get in front of them. And I think that's super important. That face to face human connection is important. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. So we have at least one or two of those. And in that process, uh, you know, it does often come down to budget. Like, you know, we all want to be innovative. We all want to do fascinating things on the web or in our marketing campaigns, but ultimately, like, how, how much, what's your budget? Yeah. You know? So that's part of my process. We have to have those uh, uncomfortable conversations sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but necessary, because then when I run up the flagpole to the rest of the company to decide whether we even get involved on the pitch, right. uh, we have to know that there's a budget behind it. And because when we pitch... And, and I say we, that's Canvas United as well as United Collective. Uh, we're often trying to outwork the competition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, how do you separate your agency from another agency? Everyone has good designers. Well, we try to hire the best designers. Yeah. But sometimes we're, and we're also punching above our weight. So mm-hmm. we're often competing against the biggest agencies yep. in the industry. So again, how do you separate yourself in a pitch from another company? We try to outwork the competition, and in cases with Canvas, it's a website redesign, let's say. Yeah. We'll create, we'll design and build a prototype. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say the homepage and maybe a product page if it's like a retail thing. Yeah. And that's 50 plus thousand dollars sure. uh, possibly of, of like our work time. Right. And, and you sure want to win that if you're going <laughs> to dedicate that kind of time and effort into it. Uh, so... Yeah, that's that's uh, part of what we're doing, and and uh, in the case of like uh, Gallegos United and the United Collective, if it's like a advertising campaign, mm-hmm. they sometimes are allowed to have maybe two, maybe even three choices for a marketing campaign, and and John Gallegos would say, look, go with the riskier one. Mm-hmm. Just just take the riskier of those choices if you can only do one. Right. And they lead with that one. And it's happened uh, with a client of ours where they, they said, wow, that's completely different from what everyone else was doing. Right. This risky choice. Um, we'd love to see what the other choice was. And, yeah, and they're yeah. like, oh, okay, well, we also created this campaign. We're like, okay, we want to start with that campaign. Mm-hmm. And then next year when we have the budget, we want that risky one too. Right. So they ended up buying too. If right. you're willing to put yourself out there creatively. Yeah, and I mean, there's something to be said about it being better to show off your, you know, most, I don't want to even say out there, but your biggest thinking, yeah. and then it's easier to pull someone back than right. have it be kind of at this mid-level and not <laughs> not really know whether they can even get Doing to the, the yeah, get to that, like, next level. So I definitely see the value in that approach. And like I said, the, the, the client is the steward of their brand, and mm-hmm. no one knows that better. But if you can come in with, creative thinking that makes them look at their own brand differently uh often it would even if they don't hire you they're going to remember you sure sure how about some other of your best pitch strategies that you've sort of picked up over the years uh well outworking the competition is one uh with building the prototype and then taking the risky choice um anything beyond that it's uh we base a lot of our work on analytics and okay. research. So whether it's going through Google Analytics and finding the details in there that is a surprise to a client. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, I'll use one example. Um, with Mark Jacobs, we had never done a 
fashion website before as a company. So how and and our our creative director is a guy, and and sometimes we also want to bring in uh, some of our women designers, but we didn't want to make too many of too many people in in a pitch meeting. So right, it was sure. Like, John, our, our president, uh, Tawa, our creative director, and um, we said in their in our first meeting with them, I guess it was our second meeting, creatively, we looked at your, uh, your website analytics and we saw that people were going to the homepage and doing a search um, for watches, like 50% of your visitors are looking for watches. And we said, even if you don't hire us, tomorrow, put up... Uh, a watch on your homepage yeah. and just see what happens. Turns up, turns out they got their sales skyrocketed right. because of that one simple recommendation based on analytics. And they said, You're hired. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we had to do a prototype anyway and all sure. that and show them what our designs were going to be. But um, we ended up redesigning their home, uh, their, their website based on this one simple analytic based recommendation. Yeah. It was like, Wow, that, was, that worked. <laughs> How about anything when you're in the room? I mean, the pitch meeting is such a, like, a, yeah. when you're, like, actually showing, you know, the big reveal and stuff like that. If it's a conversation, that's the best. If if you can get them to ask questions in the middle of the pitch, mm-hmm. that's so ideal. It shows that they're thinking about what creatively you're bringing, what kind of response that's um, landing with them. Yeah. And if they can get to start asking questions. What you don't want is a very quiet room in which you don't get any reaction. Yeah. Uh, Again, this is all kind of visceral, emotionally based stuff. Right. And and if you're (laughs) getting someone who's totally deadpan and and not responding, it's it's not. So the point is get get that conversation Mm -hmm. going. Maybe there's like ways to like build in sort of like not prompts, but like moments where you can, you know, solicit questions or Make, just make right. it very clear that it's meant to be an open discussion. Versus... Right, and we'll pause yeah. in, in, in several points. Say, you guys got this? Any right. thoughts? Uh, are we on track from our thinking with what yeah. you guys are asking for? And, right. Uh, sometimes you'll get responses. Sometimes you won't. Yeah. <laughs> Such is life. <laughs> They're like, keep going. Yeah. Um, are there specific qualities that you think someone who's in business development needs? I'm not saying that there's yeah. one type of person, but I guess what can people just starting out do to hone any necessary skills or like traits within themselves? Yeah. Everyone in the office here talks about, they'll, they'll all say at one point, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> because you have to come from the perspective of these rose colored glasses. You're always looking at the optimistic, yeah. you know, positive perspective of a situation. Mm. Some people stop asking me my thoughts on a pitch meeting because <laughs> I always say, it went really good and blah, 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 blah. And here's why. And, and yet, well, what do you think they're going to do? Buy I'm like, I actually don't know. You know, so, so that yeah. I'm not the guy they're coming to for the, for the opinion because I'm like, I can't be negative. I, I can't look at the downside because this is a tough business yeah. when you're doing, um, sales yeah. and, if you're gonna start thinking negative, it's going to impact your sales process. You're gonna get tight and um, it, you're gonna look desperate, and yeah. you can't. It just that doesn't work. So I would say the person who's best suited for this is extremely optimistic, mm-hmm. uh, unrealistically so. Yeah. Uh, and and a positive person. Look, uh, I'll end meetings sometimes with hugs. Like you know, like yeah. I said, these I want these people to be my friends because we're going to be going through 
uh, a very difficult campaign sometimes right. and you want someone that you can rely on throughout that process and and uh, yeah so it takes a very special person with a warm heart yeah. Uh, but yeah I, I, I believe that about myself and well as well as I feel, feel like the most successful salespeople are those yeah. kinds of individuals I feel like too I mean, this might be a projection, but I feel like people who are in new business have to, maybe this ties into the optimism and stuff too, but it's like they have to be, it's not a tough skin or a thick skin, but it's like you have to let stuff roll off your back because you probably get, you know, whatever your like batting average is, but there's a fair (laughs) amount of no's and like rejection or just like people don't respond to you and stuff like that. And they, you know, if you, I'm sure... I mean, I, I couldn't do it. I would let it get to me all the day. If someone doesn't email me back <laughs> right. for you know a few days, I'm like yeah. making all these assumptions about like why and stuff like that. And I know for a job like this, like that just wouldn't fly. So yeah, to to balance off of that, it's it's my outreach pers- like effort is 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 like you know I'll find somebody on LinkedIn. I'll try to find a reason why I think we could help, mm-hmm. or at least something that starts off the email with a personal connection. Yeah. And then sometimes I'll get that form response, please take me off your list. I'm like, but you're not on a list. <laughs> I, know. I emailed you. I crafted you. that for this you. This is yeah. me talking to you. And yeah, I yeah. always, I mean, that happens all the time. And right. like, you, you gotta have a thick skin. Like yeah. You can't take it personally. It's just not about you. Some people are busy and it's not the right time. And yeah. that happens all the time when it wasn't the right time then but it is now yeah you know i see so many parallels too in conversations with people in new business and then recruiters like applying for a job and and reaching out to to people at agencies and agencies reaching out to clients i mean Mm -hmm. there's so many shades of the same types of emotions and and things (laughs) and like i i tell students all the time i'm like if you don't hear back from someone like don't assume that it's you like you yeah. it's all about timing you never know why they don't respond so like why assume that it's because it's like you you know right so. and that's of course very difficult to do yeah so no, it takes it is. practice <laughs> but it's true it's important to hone that ability to to um, have that thick skin and, and to not they take things too personally right right yeah. So I love talking to people about things that they do outside of work, and so their passion outside of work, um, especially creative outlets. So I have to bring up the fact that you're also, in addition to your job here, an urban fantasy writer. So how did that start? And can you talk just yes. a little bit about what you've been working on? I um, I have a very strong creative, um, you know, element to me, and and that goes with a lot of the people I hang out with. My wife. Uh, music musical theater person mm-hmm. throughout her entire life and wow. and to this day um, and so it's there's always something in me that I wanted to do creatively and and I, I was telling my wife uh, about I guess this is about five years ago now what how am I gonna do this and she's like read this book and it was the artist's way mm-hmm. and and it was basically you're helping you know bust down these blockages to your creativity so yeah. in the middle of doing this, program uh i had a very vivid dream and and that dream is still a pivotal scene within the book mm-hmm. i wrote uh at the time i, I initially started writing a, I, I wrote it as a screenplay and i tried to pitch it around hollywood yep. uh, as an animated feature and it, it didn't go where i wanted to, 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 to go and a friend of mine who's a writer said just adapt your screenplay into a book and yeah. I had before never written a screenplay, and I had before never written a book, mm-hmm. uh, and it scared the hell out of me, which is, of course, when something scares you, you have to do it. Yeah. 
So uh, over the course of the last four years, I wrote this book and it's now with agents right now being pitched. Yeah. Uh, hopefully one of these agents will take it on and then we'll, we'll reach out to publishers from there. That's awesome. That's, yeah. I mean, I love the the whole idea of, you know, not having an experience but and feeling that fear, but just still going for it. And I know yeah. it's no small feat, I mean, to write a book, especially when you have a full-time job. <laughs> a full-time job, a family. Yeah. 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 Where do you, how do you find the time or how do you reserve time for your that writing? That was difficult. Um, but uh, my daughter at the time was very, very young. So there was uh, two naps a day and then it <laughs> yeah. got down to one nap a day. So there was uh, at least an hour a day that mm-hmm. I could dedicate to writing. And sometimes that would be after I come home at night. Yeah. But I found that I'm so exhausted at night that what I ended up doing more recently to finish my book, I started getting up at 5 a.m. Yeah. Uh, to dedicate at least an hour of writing. Uh, and then my daughter would get up around 6, 6.30. Uh, I'll usually try to squeeze a workout in in the morning yep. too, just to like, you know, it's get to good to have those creative juices yep. flowing. And, and that also sometimes means sweat juices. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, so that was just like trying to carve out that time. Right. Um, and, and again, this was something I had to do. Like, yeah. so when you're passionate about something, you find a way. Oh, and, I and can't, yeah. That's such, I mean, that's great advice. And I can't wait to see, like, the finished product. Yes. Sure. I, I am convinced now that it's at a point where it's going to be published. Yes. Uh, so I'll check back in. Yeah, no, definitely keep I me posted. <laughs> definitely keep me posted. Right. All right. So the way we end every episode is with the best piece of advice that mm. you've ever been given. I am an older person. So I've been around a long time. Older by older than you. Okay. And I uh, have received a lot of advice in my life, but um, I've also read a lot. Mm-hmm. I've really invested a lot in my uh, mental and spiritual path. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I gotta say, one book has always struck with me. It's called The Four Agreements. Okay. Did you ever read that? No. It's by Don Miguel Ruiz. Okay. And there are four agreements in it. It's a very simple book, but I recommend it to everybody. And, and they are simply one, be impeccable with your word. Two, don't take anything personally, like we just talked about. Yeah. Three, don't make assumptions. And four, always do your best. And if you can live your life by those four agreements, you're going to find success. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. I'll definitely put that on the list. And I'll definitely link to it um, in the episode page. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. I can't wait to read. I'm always looking for... It's a good, good read. reads, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you'll see it. In fact, you might see that cover. Like, I've seen people with that on the oh, subway yeah, or maybe. wherever. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. I'm so glad we got to My do pleasure. this in person. Yeah. And um, where can people keep up with you and Canvas United? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn all day long. It's uh, Brian A. Hathaway. And uh, I'm on Twitter a lot, actually, too, because uh, I have a pretty big writer community Okay. Uh, that's on there. And uh, so that's B-Rock NYC. B-Rock was my nickname, all the way dating back to high school. And it stuck with me because nice. I won't let it go. Uh, Instagram's the same thing, B-Rock NYC. Okay, cool. <laughs> awesome. And I'll include all the links on the episode page so people can check it out and Super. keep in touch. Natalie, this is awesome. Oh, thank you so much. I had so much fun and I always love hearing, I don't know, everyone just has such a different way in and path and way that they talk right. about their job and, and you're clearly passionate about what you do both in and outside of work. So it was a pleasure. Yeah, and I find that's how it works in sales too. Yeah. If you just take the time and this, this accounts for cocktail parties. Like yeah. if you just take a moment and ask questions, 
you're gonna find that everyone has a story to tell. Mm-hmm. Everyone's interesting. Yeah. You know, there's something in their background that's like, wow, that is so cool. Yeah. And uh, and so yeah, I think I'm just someone who's very interested in what people have to say. So I'm sure helps. that makes you good at what you do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Huge thank you to Brian who volunteered to be on the podcast as a guest. Our conversation was one of the easiest, most free-flowing conversations that I've had in a while. And I can tell because on the back end, I barely had to make any edits or cuts, which is always awesome. This morning, I sat down and wrote down a list of things that I'm thankful for. And in the spirit of the holiday coming up later this week, I wanted to share them with you guys and really focus on things that are specific to this year. So I'm not going to mention friends and family, which is always at the top of my list every year. First, I'm thankful for Ryan, my husband, as of May this year, who not only supports We Are Next in every sense of the word support, but is always there with new ideas and differing perspectives so that I can see things from a bunch of different viewpoints. He just helps me break out of my own one track mind or like one POV. And I'm so thankful for that, even when it seems like I'm resisting and and stubborn. I'm thankful for our puppy Yuko, who we got back in June, the latest addition to our little family. She brings so much joy into our lives, even when she feels like a full-time job in and of herself. I'm thankful for all our guests from the industry, both podcast guests and uh, guest contributors to our weekly email. I say this all the time, but We Are Next really doesn't happen or exist without, without these people. Additionally, anyone from the industry who has taken 30 minutes out of their day to get on the phone with me and hear about We Are Next, but also lend me advice on how to keep growing it in the right way. Lastly, anyone from the industry who has shared We Are Next with someone else or has just taken a couple seconds to send me uh, some words of support, you have no idea how much it affects how I'm feeling about how We Are Next is going and really the momentum behind this thing we're creating. Lastly, I'm so thankful for you. If you're listening to this podcast, if you're a subscriber to the weekly email, Not only do your little signals of support, whether it's a message or a like on a social channel or a comment on something, not only does that, you know, fuel We Are Next and really keep things going, your input on topics and things that we should be talking about. Um, People send me suggestions of guests all the time. All these things contribute to what We Are Next is today. And I can't thank you enough for that. Additionally, You've given me a reason to stretch myself in ways that I did not think was possible and helped me find meaning in advertising, something that I had been searching for for my whole career. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Advice is so much better shared. Leave us a review on iTunes or share the podcast with a friend. And while you're at it, sign up for our weekly email. It's a small dose of advice and insight delivered Mondays. I hope you have a restful tasty, amazing rest of your week. I'm Natalie, and until next time, you got this.